1914, Gavrilo Princip killed Archduke Franz Ferdinand, sparking anger between Serbia and Austria-Hungary. Austria-Hungary declared war on Serbia, and Russia joined to support Serbia. Austria-Hungary sought help from Germany, who declared war on Russia. France joined the war to support Russia. Germany's actions in Belgium prompted England to fulfill its promise of protection and join the fight. The war quickly escalated into a worldwide conflict, causing concern among smaller countries. Even America began preparing for potential involvement. Belgium's forts proved no match for Germany's powerful weapons like cannons and guns. Ancient castles crumbled as gas, tanks, and flamethrowers transformed warfare. In just seven days, the world was engulfed in war. This small event had escalated into a massive conflict, forever changing history. We are grateful to you. Thank don't, you. Don't thank me, and don't say I'm a hero. I'm no hero. I was lucky. I'm here. All the heroes are dead. And I'll never forget them as long as I live. All I know is that all the new veterans love one another beyond the love of women. If you was in a hole in the ground with a boat, you've got to know him. Marvellous men, my generation saved the world. And I'll never forget any of them. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sheepke Shear Podcast, where here we talk about people, politics, and popular culture. I'm your host, the one and only Austin Creed, and today we're going to dive into something that I've come to understand, and it's going to branch into many different topics. We're going to branch into many different topics today, but the one thing I really want to drive home today is this statement. The death of one man caused the slow agonizing death of the West. Now, in the first clip I played for the opening of the show, it was about um, Franz Ferdinand, the Archduke of Austria-Hungary. His death signaled the start of World War I, which then led into World War II, which then led into the reconstruction of the world, how we now understand it today, and in many ways paralyzing Europe and destroying its history and giving rise to the world we now live in today. Now, I want to show that I want to play this video because I think it's really well done. Now, fair use. I'm here. Let me uh, give me one second. Let me share the screen here. So I want to watch this video with y'all. How World War One led to World War Two by the History Channel. Fair use to them. Well, let's go. Let's go through this video, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Uh, but before I do that, I want to give you all a taste of it. But before we go into that, I want to ask you all a question real quick. The question is this. Um, what are your thoughts on... Now, I know World War One and World War Two have basically been done to death. I am aware of this. Everyone is aware of this. Whether it's the Holocaust, whether it's... Most people, when they hear history, they immediately become uninterested and they don't want it. They don't. They're. They've kind of had it all and done, and they, they're over. They're. They don't care about it anymore. It's. It was their grandfather or their great grandfather's conflict. They don't really feel that relation to it anymore. They think of it as very ancient history, when in fact it was just barely a hundred years ago, which may seem like a long time to you. But my grandfather grew up 
at the end, you know, in the end of World War II. I mean, I'm sure yours did too if you're a young person or if you're a millennial or Gen X. You, your grandfather probably fought in World War II or remembered World War I. This is not as far away as you might think, and it affects the world we live in today in ways that you couldn't imagine. But we're going to dive into it on the show today. So my thought is, my, here's my question. What avenue of life do you think the West has not recovered from, from the, tw- the 20th century? What aspect of the 20th century clearly defines an area in the 21st century? So while we're doing that, I'm going to show this video to y'all. Fair use of the History Channel. Let's get into that. Here we go. World War One leads to World War Two as day follows. Agreed. By the end of World War One, everybody is looking to get advantage. That is true. If anybody knows anything about World War One, after World War One was over, the Treaty of Versailles wrecked the entire world because what it did was it sunk Germany into the state of complete bankruptcy, the Weimar Republic. Okay, when people think Germany, they immediately think of Nazis. The Nazis were not, did not exist yet at this time, he's talking about. World War I was not fought by Nazis. It was fought by the, I believe it was the Empire of Germany. Germany was not Nazi at this point, okay? We need to make that distinction. But after World War I happened, the Treaty of Versailles forced Germany to pay back these reparations that bankrupted them and led to the Weimar Republic of Germany. But because they were so bad and because people had to use a wheelbarrow of cash to pay for a loaf of bread and they were using wall, they were using their currency as wallpaper because that's how useless it was, this gave rise to a World War I veteran by the name of Adolf Hitler who wasn't even a German, he was an Austrian. But you need to know this before this even we go into this. Now, I get it. This is a very history-heavy show. But this is very important because it leads up to a point I'm going to make in a little bit. So here's what we're going to talk about why the West is still very affected by these wars and how it leads to another one. Let's keep going. World War One didn't really end in 1918. It brutalized an entire generation of Europeans. It brutalized an entire generation of people around the world. And it made them realize that war on this scale was not only possible, but actually thinkable. We need to understand that the Industrial Revolution changed warfare forever. The Industrial Revolution gave rise to guns, gave rise to poison gas. All the, so when I was in the military, we learned about Sieber weapons. Seaburn stands for chemical, radiological, no, chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear. Seaburn. Now, these weapons were largely, came, were largely non-existent until World War I. In World War I, people rode in on horses and left in planes. You need to realize this. World War I changed the world forever because at the end of the day, the war was a nothing burger. It gave nothing to the world except death and destruction. 
and it basically made Europe commit suicide. Now, let's keep re let's keep hearing what they have to say. There's a wonderful, wonderful political cartoon where the fat politicians and generals are walking out of Versailles, and there's a little tiny boy, and he's crying in the corner. And I'm not kidding, he says, I'm cannon fodder for 1940. Wow. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Now, if you don't like that I'm pausing the video, I have to do it for fair use purposes because if I don't do this, they might get a copyright strike and I might have to remove it altogether and I don't want to do that. So if you want to watch the whole video in its entirety, you can go to the History Channel and look it up for yourself, but I'm going to chop this up and we're going to really dive into this topic. Anyone with half a brain knew that the Treaty of Versailles was essentially the starting gun for the Second World War. Essentially what happened is that you create such an unstable economy and so much animosity between nations that you're just seeding the field of war. That's what the Treaty of Versailles did. Now, again, you need to understand that World War I, the Germans, again, where they weren't Nazis, okay? It was largely fought because this country was allied to that country and allied to that country, and it, it was largely completely avoidable. World War II was not avoidable because World War I was fought, which they'll go on to explain, I believe. A lot of the anger, animosity, resentment that fuels the rise of the National Socialists of Adolf Hitler in Germany can be directly tied to that. It would be difficult to argue that that's simply propaganda that's utilized by Adolf Hitler. These were very difficult terms for the German people to, to handle. And it creates this bunker mentality, this us against the world mentality that ultimately will play out in Hitler being able to create a program that appeals to that sentiment. We see that in the world today, the us versus them, the tribal mentality. We see that today. Now, again, this is a very interesting time in world history because World War II was unavoidable because World War I was fought. Because of what happened to Germany, this gave rise to Adolf Hitler. Because of the destruction of Germany, they bankrupted them. They, they forced them to basically, they scapegoated them for the entire war. And that's what led to this attitude that became embodied by the Nazis. It was us versus them, and that's the attitude they had. And they mentioned it in the first video I showed at the beginning of the show, that Germany already had technological superiority over most of the world. And that was shown when they fought against Belgium, because Belgium was basically reduced to rubble by the tanks of the Germans, which would then be upgraded and put into use again as the Panzers were in World War II by the Nazis. To the average German, they have been sold out by the politicians. Exactly. In particular, it made people like Adolf Hitler, who had fought, after all, in the German army in World War I, think that if only the Germans could do it again, but do it right this time, they could actually win. We call it World War One, World War Two, but it's really two different stages of one global conflict. I get, like I just said, I, I, I've seen this once before. I got to be honest with you. I've seen this once before. I want to make sure there was... Look, I get it. The, the swastika is very offensive to people. It's very offensive to me as a Jew, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm not offended by this, I, but I'm, I'm continuing to watch it anyways. But my friends, look, this is like I was saying before, World War II was unavoidable because World War I was fought. And that's exactly what we see. And World War II was so much 
more destructive to the world. World War One was largely curtailed to North Africa and Europe, whereas World War Two was fought across almost the entire world. Just happens that people put their arms down for a 20-year period, and then they went back to fighting again. All right. Now, my friends, when I say that World War One, the death in World War Two, the death of a single man being Fra being Franz Ferdinand, the Archduke of um, Austria Hungary, his death leading to the slow death of the West, I'm not alone with this. Here, I want to show you a couple more things on the show today. Uh, we're gonna look at World War One and World War Two, the the most the bloodiest battles from each war. And I'm going to read you the casualty numbers, and I want you to see if you can kind of, if you have the cognitive ability to conceptualize the number of, the level of destruction that these numbers actually give. Now, here, I'm going to share the screen with you, and I'm going to look. Um, this is just five. There's 15 given in this article, but I'm going to read the top five. Uh, May 2nd to June of 1915. Look, I'm going to be honest, I can't pronounce all these. I believe it's the... The, the Gorlice and Tylenol Offensive, 1,087,000 casualties, over 1 million people perished in this battle. Next one. First Battle of Somme, I believe that's how you pronounce it. 1.1 million casualties. Million! Can you imagine? We look at the destruction in Ukraine today, which is bad enough. But look at this, over a million people dead. Over a million people that have, there were fathers or sons that had loved ones, had girlfriends, wives, children, never to return home ever again. And for what? Keep going. Spring Offensive, March to July of 1918, 1.5 million casualties. 100 days offensive, almost 2 million, 1.85 million casualties. The, oh, the Brusilov offensive from June to September of 1916, 2.3 million casualties. My friends, these were all men women, children, I assume, as well. But these were men who were fathers, sons, had loved ones, and all were for, from small villages, large cities that would never come back, never. And this isn't back when the, this is, the world today has like, what, seven to eight billion people, I think, in the world today. The world was not as populated as it was now. About, I think it was four to five Billion, and we're talking about millions of people just getting knocked off. Millions, and that's just a World War One. Let's go to World War Two. The Battle of Okinawa. What does it say? Oh, here it is. One hundred thousand Japanese combatants were slain. One hundred and fifty thousand civilians. The Kamikazes of twelve thousand American soldiers died. Let's go to the next. D-Day, the, the veteran I played on the clip, second clip in the beginning of the show, was a Normandy veteran. I believe he was from the United Kingdom. Let's look at this. 
One of the most infamous battles, I believe, in American history, if not in world history, was D-Day. We celebrated as we should. Nearly 10,000 Allied casualties just in that day alone. Again, my friends, these are large numbers. We see the numbers coming out of Ukraine, that's bad enough. But this is a whole other level of death and destruction. Battle of the Bulge. After the invasion of Normandy. It's estimated that more than one million Allied troops fought in the battle, including half of them were Americans. It says 19,000 soldiers were knocked off in the winter alone, with more than 70,000 wounded or missing. Stalingrad, one of the most deadliest battles I believe in world history. More than 1.1 million Soviet forces died. Again, you wonder why the Russians... I, I honestly don't understand why the Russians are even going to war at this point. I understand why, to an extent. But they never recovered from this. Millions of Russian men were killed in World War II. Millions. Leningrad. Another nearly one million people died in the siege. One million. Again, these are very large numbers, my friends very large numbers and you wonder why the West has not recovered how could they recover from this and in the ashes of World War One and World War Two, gave rise to the children of the robber barons who once ran America in the world they rebuilt the country they rebuilt the world with their money and they could and they centralized more power and more wealth because everything evolves around money. And as the money continued to be, as the money was collected into fewer and fewer hands, the control of the world fell to fewer and fewer people with the rise of democracy, especially because democracy is run by the people with the largest pockets. A lot of ways with the campaigns and whatnot that we have in this country today, the politicians are nothing more than marionettes on the stage with their string, with the puppeteers being the, the people with the money, pulling the strings behind the scenes. Much in the same way you could see as in Plato's allegory of the cave, it's, it kind of functions in the same capacity. We see the shadows on the wall, but we see not the people who cast the shadows on the wall or the people whose shadows are being sent against the wall. We don't see it because we are so busy looking at the shadows, we don't understand where it's even coming from now that's why i say the death of a single man is leading to the slow death of the west because as the money is centralized in the fewer and fewer hands i believe it was oswald spangler who wrote the decline of the west in 1922 he talked about this concept of socialism is merely merely capitalism for the lower classes in other words he understood the concept that with the rise of socialism the rich would have more and the poor would have less. The middle class would erode and then would evolve into a society of the haves and the have-nots. There wouldn't be people that had more than the poor but less than the uh, uber-ultra-wealthy. No, there would be the haves and the have-nots. You can't redistribute future wealth and that's why socialism has largely not worked. But my friends, this is why the death of Franz Ferdinand fueled the, de the decline of the West because you look at how many people in the Western nations died. 
in the in the 20th century alone staggering numbers millions hundreds of millions of people were dot just dead whether they be soldiers civilians never to pass on their legacy never to reproduce to limit the gene pool even farther to never be able to re- to produce things for society for the societies in which they lived the west has not recovered from this and that is why we see a lot of the policies the people in power the we are and the puppeteers that are now emerging from behind the scenes that's why we have the governments we have why the people have the attitudes that they have it's all reaction to what has already happened that seems like it happened so long ago that it's so far removed from modern day society when in fact the opposite is true. Because it was the same people who fled from Germany, from the Soviet Union and other places in Italy, and they came to America, they came to Britain, they came to France, and they passed on their ideologies to the young people of each country and to the world. And that is why we have the world we have today. Because ideas do not have borders. And that is why we have the nations we have today. My friends, what are your thoughts on this? Am I I too far removed? What were your thoughts on the show today? If you have anything you want to add, please feel free to tell your story, your grandfather's story, whoever it is you want to do, I would love to hear it. You can find me on Twitter at SheepGetSheared, or you can leave in the comment section the video that you're watching on YouTube on Rumble. I have ton of other shows you can listen to and they're all 100% free but my friends until next time I want to tell you that if you have a similar mindset you're not alone and if you see what's going on you need to speak out you need to let your voice be heard because there are so many people who agree with you myself probably included my friends God bless you God bless your family and God bless America we're out of here enjoy your day peace